0: Hello, today I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and prepare your heart to hear Gila Valley's message so that your faith will grow and you will continue to hunger for more of God's word because Romans 10 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing the word. I pray you enjoy today's message. Thank you. This morning, would you open up your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there is a black book in the pew in front of you. And we'd love for you to see what the Lord says for yourself this morning. As we finish up our series called Not Today Satan, this is something that uh, is, is pretty important for us to know. Wouldn't it be awesome if we have the devil's playbook in our hand so we cannot be outwitted by the devil, as Second Corinthians says. In fact, uh, scripture tells us that we have been tempted in every single way that the Lord was tempted in. The difference is Jesus was without sin. And so what we're doing over the this is week three and our final week in the series is we're identifying these different sins. And my prayer is that you guys would be able to understand these sins, to identify the temptations as the devil attacks us, so that he would have no advantage over us. In fact, um, I think about being on an airplane, uh, by show of hands, has anyone been on an airplane? So... There's this thing that you probably have never heard of because you weren't paying attention. But in the first two minutes, uh, when you're on the road at the airport before you have takeoff, they give you all the important instructions. And it's one of those things that you really should know, but you don't care to know it unless the plane is actually going down. But one of the things that they tell you in those two minutes that none of us are paying attention is they tell you, Uh, If oxygen loses place in the cabin of the airplane, what's going to take place is there's going to be oxygen masks that fall from the ceiling. Make sure that you put on your mask before you put on someone else's mask. And as we're talking about the sin of ambition today, I'll just tell you that I am tempted so much in my flesh and in my sinfulness to always put on other people's masks. Maybe it's my spouse's, maybe it's someone at work, maybe it's even our children and with good intentions, but we fail to take care of our own souls. We fail to take care of ourselves. In verses 3 through 4 of Matthew chapter 4, we looked at the sin of appetite. The following week, in verses 5 through 7, we looked at the sin of approval, and this morning we're going to be looking at the sin of ambition. Now, I don't know if you struggle with... Uh, The sin of appetite where you're like, hey, I want this. I want that. I don't necessarily want the things of God. I want what God has created. Or maybe you struggle more with the sin of approval and you care more about what man thinks of you than what God thinks of you. Or maybe you too struggle with the sin of ambition where we work and we work and we work and what we're actually doing is we're trying to find our identity in what we've done and neglecting what Jesus has done for us. I struggle with all three of these sins, but I definitely do struggle with the sin of ambition the most. It's an identity issue. The the root core identity issue of the sin of ambition is guilt. It's guilt maybe from our childhood, maybe growing up, We didn't have enough. And so we went without and we don't want our kids to go out. So we work and we work and we work. Whatever it is, there's some guilt underlining in our identity with Christ. Maybe if you struggle with the set of ambition, it looks like this for you, where uh, I, I'm not talking about uh, personal experience here, but let's just say you have a three-year-old that's playing t-ball and they happen to be going and, and playing the game of t-ball, and it is with like every bone in your body wants to like yell at him like, hey dude, why don't you go out there and hit the home run? Like we gotta do better next time because I can't play anymore because I'm You you guys don't think I'm old, but my body thinks that I'm old. And so I can't go out there and play t-ball. I tried. The commissioner of the Little League said my birth certificate didn't count like it did in that movie uh, Bench Warmers. But we, we, we play even sports through our kids because we have this guilt of maybe... Growing up, hey, if I wouldn't have broke my ankle, or we all have this story, right? If I wouldn't have had bad knees, I could have played division two, bro. I could have done this. I could have gone on and achieved so much. Or maybe your coach growing up just yelled at you and told you that you weren't good enough, or your parents did this, or whatever it is. And so you work, and you work, and you work, and you work, falling into the temptation that the devil has for us in the sin of ambition. I want to define ambition for you this morning, a strong desire to do or to achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work. Let's pray, and then we'll read God's word together. Father, this morning we come to you, and uh, we're, we're, we're guilty and we need to be pardoned. But, Father, may we find our pardon, may we find the ransom for our soul only in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, may we just give up control and trust you in every area of our life, whether it's church, whether it's the career, whether it's school, whether it's a relationship, whatever we're trying to put ourselves and take control of the matters for our own. Father, may we trust in the payment that you made on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins Father, help us know that our identity is not found in what we do, but what you have done for us. Father, heal us. Heal us of our guilt. Father, we stand guilty before you. And Father, I just, I just pray over this congregation this morning. Father, I pray that I would simply get out of the way and that you would use me as a voice crying out into the wilderness to make way for the path of the Lord. Father, I pray that if there's someone uh, hearing the gospel proclaimed this morning, that you would begin to, right now, convict their soul towards spiritual things. Father, that they would have questions about who you are. Father, they'd have questions about what it looks like to follow you and to walk with you and to worship you. Father, I just pray that you would increase and we would decrease this morning. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Follow along, Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you. If you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and only shall you serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I want to ask you this morning, church, regardless of which one of these sins you struggle with this morning, maybe you can relate to this. In the sin of ambition. Uh, Maybe if you were talking to a group of girls and you're like, hey, my husband brought me flowers this week, all your girlfriends would be like, oh, that's so cute. But you want to know what the other side of the conversation is? If you're like, hey, dude, I bought my wife flowers this week. The guys don't say, oh, that's so cute. They're like, dude, what did you do wrong? I got to know what you did wrong. There's an association of guilt, and we try and fix it in our own court. Maybe you feel guilty if you just take a nap. I don't know about you, but over the last uh, month, the Lord has just told me, hey, slow down, take a breath, take a nap. I read a book uh, about a month ago, and it had this quote in it, and it said, maybe the most spiritual thing that you can do is to simply take a nap. The Lord created the heavens and the earth in six days. You guys are like, wait, it was seven. On the seventh day, he completed his work by resting. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe in a supreme, all-powerful God that doesn't need to rest. And so the question is, why did God rest? On the seventh day, I believe that he rests to show us that it's important for us to recover, to put on our own oxygen mask so that we can go back and be able to help others around us. We need to take care of our souls so that we can take care of other souls around us, our children and our children's children. In fact, Forbes Magazine is a business over businesses, pretty much, if you've ever heard of the name Forbes. And they came out with a statistic very recently, and they said that 90% of employees who take a lunch break, 90% of employees who do take a lunch break actually have increased production, morale, and everything that a business wants. It wasn't the people that ate lunch at their desk. It wasn't the people that uh, overworked themselves and didn't take that hour-long lunch break or 30-minute lunch break or whatever. It's crazy. 90%. There was a 90% production increase by taking an hour and not doing anything and just recovering for our soul. Maybe that makes you feel guilty. I want to share with you a little bit this morning of, Why I struggle with the sin of ambition. Now, whenever we're sharing our testimony, it's very easy for us to take the credit in it. Let me tell you that. I'll give you two extremes uh, throughout each of these illustrations. And what I did in my own power is where I was going. But the only reason why I arrived to the place where I arrived is because of what Jesus has done. When I said, I give up, God, you take control of everything, then there began to be a fruitfulness in my life. In fact, I was told that I would never graduate high school. I was told this by my teachers. I was told this by my family. I was told this by my friends. In fact, I remember in seventh grade, I I knew the, the curriculum. I just, I was bored. And so I would go and I would rip up my pieces of homework in classwork in front of my teacher instead of turning it in. And I'd complete it. I would believe that I would have passed, but I would rip it up and I'd put it in the, the classroom uh, trash can. And I was just, I'm, I'm done. I, I just wanted to get out of school. In fact, in 10th grade, I dropped out of high school and I proved the critics right. I dropped out of high school in 10th grade, and the very next day, my basketball coach, he came, and he, he knocked on my front door, and he said, get your butt in the car, except he didn't say butt. <laughs> I ended up graduating high school early. In fact, uh, I was expelled by four different schools from second grade to 10th grade. Daddy. I was expelled from four different schools. In fact, I was in trouble with truancy. I was in trouble with the law, all of this stuff. In fact, if you were a teacher and I was put on your roster, it would be that moment at the beginning of the year that you'd be like, oh, i got that kid. That was me. But through my salvation and through the Lord working In these things, in my own accord, I dropped out of high school, in my own accord, I was in trouble with the law, in my own accord, I did these things. But when I began to let the Lord work, when I began to let the Lord have control over my life, what took place is I shared my testimony with 4,000 people. Some of these people I hurt Some of these people, the whole school district, every uh, individual in the school, every student, every teacher, every staff member came. And I was invited a year later to come back and to share how this dude who was going to drop out of school ended up somehow being successful. Not on my own accord, not in my own efforts, but in what Christ has done for me. I remember standing before a judge with a line of Different criminal offenses. He'd assigned probation. He'd assigned this. In fact, I did spend some time in the juvenile juvenile system. When I was 18, my record was sealed. And this individual, the judge, when I went to him, he found out that I graduated school early. And he said, dude, this is like for the history books. And so he just wiped all of my criminal record. He said, it's done, dude. That's not something that I could have done. That's not something even possible for man. In fact, not only did I have a criminal record, I'm, uh, I have a mentor that tells me to like, hide all my skeletons in my closet and lock the door and throw away the key. That's not how I roll. Um, so I just tell you all my problems and my issues because we're, we're people too, pastors are people too, we're sinful people too. And so I actually have a felony expunged for my record a felony expunged from my record from a a practical prank, one of the reasons why I ended up getting expelled. And then later, in this thing called Ebola in 2015, Homeland Security called me and they asked me to consult for them on volunteer management. A dude with a felony on his record is working for Homeland Security. All of these things, not in my own accord, but in what Christ has done for me. I was told that I would spend my life in prison. In fact, I was told that I would never be successful. I'd never be able to hold down a job. Thankfully, not only do I hold down a job here at the church, but I have four other small businesses that's able to allow my wife to stay home and for me to be able to minister in Gila, New Mexico. And so praise God for what God has done in my life, not when I was trying to uh, take control of it. When I was trying to work in my own accord, it was a mess, dude. It was a mess. In fact, I remember growing up, someone who I love dearly told me that they didn't want to see their mistake every single day. Someone who you look up to your whole life comes and looks at you in your own work, in your own efforts and says, I no longer want to see my mistake every single day. I was able to officiate that individual's wedding because of God intervening on my behalf, because of God working on my behalf. All of these uh, identity issues, all of these sins or these temptations that we're tempted with have extremes. And so uh, I just want to talk a moment about spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness, maybe you struggle with the sin of ambition in the um, extreme of spiritual laziness. It's the thought that you will never do enough. So why do anything at all? Let me tell you this morning, Christ wants to meet you exactly where you are. Maybe you have generational curses in your family of poverty and you've just accepted it as a way of life. Or maybe you just have generation curses of spiritual poverty and you've just accepted it as, hey, my family didn't go to church, so I'm not going to go to church. Would you break that chain this morning? Maybe you have lukewarm faith and and whenever it, it involves and stuff, you don't tithe to the church because, hey man, someone else can do it. Or you don't serve in the church or maybe you have all these ideas of what the church is supposed to do, but you're not willing to serve yourself. This is spiritual laziness. I have a conversation with a man about two times a month. It never fails. Two times a month I have this conversation where an individual comes up to me, a man, and they say, hey, listen, work is tough, work is hard, work is stressful, work is painful, whatever it is. In Genesis chapter 3, if you're familiar with when Adam and Eve fall, fell into sin, They, I believe they fell into the sin of appetite, there was... Three punishments. A punishment for the young lady Eve was the pain of childbearing. You're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Childbearing was painful, right? Ladies, you can relate to that. Uh, I would even go uh, a little step past that and say, not only childbearing, but raising children in, in general is painful. And the punishment for Satan was that he would crawl on his stomach all the days of his life but the punishment for the man was that he would labor in pain we live in a fallen, in a sinful world and we've inherited these consequences as well let me ask you, what has the Lord entrusted you with? Can you be faithful in these very little things so that he may allow you to be faithful in so much more? Or maybe you struggle with being a spiritual workaholic. And let me just tell you that I struggle with being a workaholic. The reason why you see family first on almost everything that I do, on my signatures, on my email, I'll I'll communicate to you guys as much as I can family first, is not because I put my family first. It's a reminder that I need to put my family first. And as I care for my family, I'm better able and equipped to care for God's people. But a spiritual workaholic is the thought that you will never do enough. So you forget what you're called to do. You can't work out. You can't outwork Christ. So stop trying. You're like, I've been trying I've been trying to do this, I've been trying to earn my salvation, I've been trying to do this and that, I've just been trying. And God's over here, he's like, dude, I already paid the price for you. I've already taken care of the debt for you, just trust in me, just come to a relationship with me. In fact, this idea of being a workaholic consumed my life Till this day, I cannot watch TV without having a business idea about whatever is on TV. I'll give you an example. We were watching uh, UFC, uh, it's where people punch each other in the face for a living. And uh, I was like, you know what, Amanda? I, they always come in, and these athletes—like they have so many athletes—and none of them are popular. And so, why don't they just make the coaches' athlete, uh, the coaches popular, and interview the coaches? Because then the coaches could tell you about the other athletes. Because they only fight like twice a year, and so it's hard for them to catch steam. Or there's this TV show called *Blippi*. If you don't have kids under a certain age, you have probably never heard of *Blippi*. And I am thankful for that for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> But there's this TV show called Blippi, and they came out with this individual, and man, he's extremely talented. And then they came out with this other guy who wasn't the original Blippi, and it's like Blue's Clues all over again. You're like, this isn't going to work. I've seen this take place. Uh, someone else can't do that. And you know what I told the man? I said, they've got to come out with a cartoon and just make Blippi a cartoon and use his voice. And guess what? They came out with the cartoon and they used his voice. In fact, uh, I've been very transparent about my mental health, and I go to counseling every three years. And last time I went to counseling, I sat in the counselor's office and I said, my friends tell me that I'm not a good friend, my wife tells me that I'm not a good husband, sorry, I'm I'm just... She's a lot nicer than that, she doesn't say that uh, Mm -hmm. word for word, but I can read through the lines. Uh, I understand that I'm not being the dad that I need to be. And so what I realized is I I wasn't able to put it in compartments. And so she gave me this crazy, weird idea of going to Ross, which is a department store, and buying a whole bunch of shoes. And she said, you have shoes for every single situation of your life and that's what you're supposed to do. And so I went and I had dad shoes and I had church shoes and I had business shoes and I had friend shoes and I had fun shoes and I had uh, husband shoes and I had dad shoes. In fact, this morning, I'm wearing my dad shoes and I'm preaching the gospel in my dad shoes because not in what I can do, but in what Christ has done through my life. This crazy thing about struggling with the sin of wanting to do more and wanting to do more and wanting to do more and instead just letting Christ do it for us. And I saw this on social media this week and I shared it with some of you. When work is an idol, rest feels like sin. This idea of not being able to put our phones down are the moment that our phone rings, we have to answer it, or the moment we get an unread email, we gotta clear out of our inbox this idea of doing and doing and doing. Let me just tell you, men, when we say yes to doing something, we're actually saying no to three other things. You say, Yes, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna help this individual or, or that individual or whatever it is, you're saying no to your family, you're saying no to whatever your original plans were. You're saying no to other things in order to say yes to something. And my prayer is this morning that we would just say yes to Christ. And then after we say yes to Christ, we would say yes to our family. And we would lead our families in the way of the Lord. Let me tell you, church, that God loves you. You don't have to earn his love. He knows your desire for this world, and he desires a relationship with you. He knows that you are guilty, and he buys out your ransom by murdering his own son. He knows your neglect for what he's called you to, and he continues to entrust you with eternally important matters. If you're focused on earning right standing with anyone, may it be your desire to have right standing before God. At Gila Valley, we love to look at verse by verse and understand that the series has been a little different than our normal realm of doing things. Galatians chapter 3 will start next week verse by verse, but let's go back to verse 8. In Matthew chapter 4, again, and so this is the third time that Jesus is being tempted by the devil. Remember, he hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. He traveled up to this really, really, really high uh, pinnacle of the temple. And and man, I, I looked up how high this temple was, this temple, how high was it? And I looked and there actually is not a building in the state of New Mexico that this building would have been equivalent to. And so you had to go to Louisiana and the state capitol building for the state of Louisiana is 450 feet. And so not only did Jesus travel some 30 miles from the wilderness to the temple, but now he's uh, been able to be taken by the devil by the permission of the Holy Spirit to this place. And now for the third time again... Third time's a charm, right? That's what the devil's thinking. Hey, uh, three different sins that you have to overcome. Three different sins that I tested everyone in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'll test your disciples with in the future. These three different sins. So he says, the third time's a charm. If I didn't get you with what 1 John calls the, the lust of our life. or The lust of this world or the lust of our eyes. I'll get you with the pride of life. I'll make your life uh, easy. The devil takes him. Verse 8, he says, He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He takes him to this really high mountain. And this mountain, I looked up what this mountain was, and the mountain translated into English. I won't give you the Greek word, because I'm not going to try to do that and barely speak English. But translated into English, the name of the mountain is Forty. It's completion. And so he takes him up to this mountain and he looks over somewhere between Jerusalem and Judea. And he's looking over everything that the world has. He says, dude, everything in this world I can give to you. Talk about the sin of appetite. You mean I don't have to go to the cross to get people to worship me? You mean I don't have to go to the cross to get everything that the kingdom has for me? You mean I can just do this in my own power instead of allowing God to work through me? But what we know as Christians is the kingdom of this world and their splendor actually don't have any glory at all. If we take a closer look, it would be like a diamond who from a distance looks sincere, but really is just that plastic thing that you can get inside that 25 cent machine that comes out like it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But as we look at verse 9, I'm looking and he said to them, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Talk about peer pressure. Talk about the stress of everything. You're looking at everything. You're in this idea of being tempted. You're hungry. You've been hiking for 30 something miles. And then more to the mountain. Hey, man, the easy way out. Here it is. I'll give you this whole world. Jesus says, I don't want this world. I want the world to come. I want the new heavens and I want the new earth. If we were honest with ourselves and we had this same conversation with the devil. Let me just tell you, we do. We have this conversation with the devil. If the devil comes up to you and says, dude, I'll give you everything you want. You know that career you want, you know the retirement you want, you know the vacation home you want, you know the house you want, you know the car you want, all these things, I'll give it to you. You can have them. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And this is Satan talking to us. And I don't know about you, but I've done that time and time and time again. In fact, Judah did it. Judas did it. Uh, He sold the rights to Jesus and the disrespect of Jesus for 30 denarii, 30 silver coins. And here, I don't know about you, but I've done it for a lot less. I've done it for this instant gratification. And I'm not talking about over the course of some 30 something years of my life. I'm talking about moments in this life here where I have pleased my flesh rather than thinking about the world to come. How many of us would follow God here? Through the struggle, through the tribulation, through the hardship, when we have the easy way out in front of us. Let me just tell you this morning, church, following Jesus is not easy. Following Jesus will cost you friendships. Following Jesus will uh, cause Thanksgiving meals in the future to have some some, tension. Tension. Or maybe even going home this afternoon, if you decide to accept Jesus into your life this morning and you go home to maybe parents or you go home to a spouse that doesn't understand the the idea of following Jesus, it's going to be tough. But if you were to ask yourself and really think about it and you know the splendors of glory. And he says, "Hey, man, I'll give you whatever you want in this world if you just bow down and you worship me." And, and time and time and time again, I fall into this thing. Verse ten. Then Jesus said to him, "Be God." Say, I love this. You guys thought that this was a trendy thing where Jesus said, not today, Saint. No, Jesus said it back in the day right here. He said, be gone, Saint, not today, Saint, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and only shall you serve. You should only serve the Lord your God. Go away. I don't know about you, but I've had moments uh, of temptations and sins that I've struggled with, I just it just clicks in my mind, and I begin to yell. I remember driving down Highway 75 in the state of Texas and yelling at Satan, "Go away, Satan! Have no power over me, Satan! In Jesus' name, depart over me!" And so I just want to claim that over our church this morning. I just want us to all uh, audibly say the name of Jesus on the count of three: one, two, three, Jesus. In the power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, are we healed. In the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, are we set free from these temptations and our sins where we no longer have the guilt that is due from our sin, but Jesus pays the sin for us. He says, worship the Lord your God. Whether or not you acknowledge that the Lord is your God or not, he is your God. He is your creator, He created everything that you try to worship in his place. In fact, I believe that the Lord designed us to worship him and we've gone astray from that. And so what's taken place is we've gone and we've worshiped the created things rather than the creator. We've worshiped the things that God has done and put in our lives rather than worshiping him because we are designed to worship. We don't know what it looks like to not worship anything. So we worship sports, we worship school, we worship relationship, we worship people, we worship the approval of others, we worship this, we worship that. My prayer is that we wouldn't worship these things, but we would worship the Lord. And so I want to ask you this morning, who do you truly worship? If we're honest with ourselves, there's times where we don't worship Jesus. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 20 says it this way For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I want, the evil I do not want, is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. If we follow Christ, if we live for Christ, we will still struggle with sin. We will still do the things that we do not want to do. Maybe you can relate to this this morning where you you try and you try and you try and you work and you work and you work. This morning, I just want to remind us to give up. Let Jesus fight the battle on our behalf. If this morning, if you would say that you're not a perfect husband, let me just tell you that your wife doesn't need you to be a perfect husband. She just wants your affection. And in the same way, God doesn't need your worship. When I underline the word need, God doesn't need your worship. Who do we think we are? To think that little Nathan, a five- foot 10, if I'm lying, because I'm really like five foot nine, but I tell people I'm five foot 10, little five- foot 10 Nathan, red-headed stepchild, uh, God somehow uh, needs my worship. He doesn't. He doesn't need our worship. He's God. He desires our affection for him. Do we worship him, Are we? A, are we passionate about the things of God? Whom do you serve? Maybe our words and our actions don't match. Let me just tell you, over the course of time, our kids, it will begin to click. And you're like, you know what, Mom? You say that, but you do this. You know what, Dad? You say that you love us, but you're never home. Because you're always working, and you're working, and you're working. Do we struggle with the sin of ambition. Whom do you worship? Maybe in the middle of your Netflix binge, you say, one more episode, one more episode, one more episode, but in the same mouth, in the same hour, you say, hey, I don't have enough time to read my Bible. I don't have the five minutes that it's going to take to show God my priorities. I don't have the hour that it's going to take or the two hours that it's going to take to come to church. What's really taking place is our priorities of our heart are out of whack. We're trying to do, do, do instead of let Jesus do the work for us. So I want to ask you, with the evidence provided, would you consider yourself guilty of worshiping other things the creator of the world has created? Maybe you need to confess that to God this morning. The payment for our sin. What's the payment due? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I rarely, rarely share Greek words with you guys. But I'm gonna try and pronounce this. Tedeshi. Okay, Tedeshi. I'm, I'm butchering it. I'm just telling you right now, but it starts with the T and ends with an I. Okay? This is a word that Jesus spoke during his crucifixion. In fact, maybe you have heard the word translated. It is finished. It is finished. This is the word that he spoke for the payment over our sins. He says, it is finished. But I personally believe that there is a stronger and more convicting translation of this. If we look at how the original readers and how the original audience would have understood this. Okay, this is how it would have been translated to the original Jewish people who were in ears difference or ears distance of Jesus speaking this word it would have been translated to them, the debt has been paid. The debt over our sin, the debt over everything that we've done in our life, the wages of sin is death. And there is a man who died on the cross and he says, not guilty. That's what he's saying on the cross. In fact, in Mark chapter 15, verse 25, if you're taking notes, uh, I won't read it for the sake of time. It tells us that Jesus' crucifixion took place at 9 a.m. This is important. Don't miss this. I'm just nerding out for uh, just a moment and I hope that you learned something this morning and find it interesting. Uh, So Jesus' crucifixion started at 9 a.m. in the morning and his death was at 3 p.m. Check this out. At 3 p.m., On religious holidays and on the Sabbath day, but specifically here, a religious holiday, the priest would go on the same temple that Jesus was tempted in, in just the previous passage here, and would blow a trumpet and when the priest would blow the trumpet, there would be a requirement for the sacrifice of a spotless, perfect lamb. And so in the same moment, Jesus cries out the word, your debt has been paid. The payment for your sin that you've been trying to pay in your own accord has been taken care of. Is the same exact time of days, the same exact moment that this trumpet would blare. For the Jewish people to bring a sacrifice. Let me tell you, Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God. Jesus paid the price for the requirement of your sin. Let's look at verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The devil gave up. I love this. The devil thought he had victory. The devil uh, fought and fought and fought after the third time. He's like, you know what? Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is who he says he is. Even if you were the devil himself, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess out of worship for our Savior. If you're struggling with the sin of ambition over the next couple weeks, I want to give you a verse to recite, quote, or memorize Romans 8. Verses 26 through 28. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray, for we ought to. But the Spirit himself, he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And when he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Listen to verse 28. And we know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. At the end of the temptations, angels begin to minister to the Lord. Once we prove our faithfulness, remember the testing and the temptations that we go through are for the preservance of our faith, for the perfection of our faith. And there will be a time where this season two ends and Jesus will come back and he will minister to us. Jesus will return. I'm going to ask our band to come forward this morning and we're going to have a time of invitation. Will you accept the gift of salvation this morning? Maybe you've been trying to earn your salvation. You can never do more than what Jesus has already done for you. The only payment accepted is the death of a sinless man. Are you perfect? Are you worshiping this world? Who cares how small or how big your bank account is if you don't have a mansion in heaven? Maybe you're neglecting your family to benefit them another extra couple dollars. Because you struggle with the sin of ambition. The question you have to ask yourself this morning during our time of invitation is will you let Jesus pay your debt or will you continue making payments on your sinfulness until your soul is repossessed by the devil? The devil has no advantage of us if we know his game plan. And I don't know about you, but I want to know the devil's game plan. I want to know how he's going to attack me. I want to know how he's going to tempt me. And I want to say, not today, Satan. I want to know the devil's schemes. And I want to say, on behalf of me, on behalf of my family, on the behalf of Hilo Valley, on behalf of this community, I want to say, not today, Satan. In the name of Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus' name, may we worship him? Will you worship him? Will you allow him to pay the price for your sins and accept the free gift of salvation this morning? Come, let's stand, let's worship this morning.